This is a podcast where we try and find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week we have Matt Stokes. Matt is a writer and photographer for Bad Copy, a music site that focuses mainly on punk and indie tunes. I've known Matt for years and he has to have one of the best origin stories that I've ever heard. We go through how he got started, the struggles you have as a photographer when you go into these hectic punk and hardcore shows, and you're trying to protect yourself, your equipment, and all the while looking for that perfect shot. We also get into what it's like to be a photographer when everyone else has a camera in their pocket, and what it really means to stand out apart from the more click-and-shoot phone photos everyone sees. One of my favorite parts of the conversation is talking about how he has built relationships throughout the years with people who could have easily just ignored his email. It's incredible to me to be given access to all these bands I know I look up to and to really capture those perfect moments and the the energy that's in a live show. I think the whole thing is wonderful and the conversation that we go through, um, everything that we cover, I, I think is is really cool and I hope that you guys like it. As always, please rate and review on iTunes. You are all failing me by not doing so. Thank you to those three people who have. I do actually really appreciate it. You're the real MVPs. The show is also on Stitcher now, if that's more your jam. Uh, If not, you know, whatever. Just continue doing what you're doing. Anyway, that's enough of me. Here's the show. Enjoy. Yeah, cool. All right. So tell me a little bit about all your photography nonsense, because I see you doing that all the time now. Oh, yeah. Um, how did you get into that? Well, originally, I mean, it just seemed like something I was really interested in doing. Like before mm-hmm. I moved out to Chicago, never really gave it too much thought. Like like when I found uh, my old uh, pictures from that leftover crack show. Like the auto bar, and I was like, brought a uh, little pockets fun saver, uh-huh. and just like taking pictures from this show. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and then when I moved out to Chicago, it kind of expanded from there. As I didn't have any money to go to all the shows that I wanted to, right? So I had to find a way to uh, get in, like get tickets without actually having to pay for it. And it turns out I like did a little bit of digging. Um, and came across this shop in Chicago called U Spy Store. I don't okay. know if they had those out here or not. I have no idea. It's a used spy store? Like the letter U Spy okay. Store. Okay. No. And it's basically a bunch of like really shady stuff. Like, <laughs> like you could buy like lock picking <laughs> kits. Yeah. It like uh, surveillance like it. equipment for your house. And uh, I just happened to go in there thinking, oh, let's just see what's in there. Right. And uh, what I, and then I saw that they had, um, ID badges and and one so of, you were gonna be a private eye, but just get no, to get into shows like that was the whole idea. Well, I came across ones that were um, like press credentials, okay, the ones that like press like press and like official press photographer on uh-huh. it. I was thinking, oh, well, I wonder if that would be enough to just like be able to get into shows and kind of like say, oh no, yeah, I'm here with press, so <laughs> in I go. And it was funny because, like, the guy at the counter was giving me, like, a little lesson on how to get through all that. And he's like, oh, yeah, you need, uh, like, a letterhead and all of this, like, credentials and background information. I was like, well, shit, I don't have any of that. And so my uh, next brilliant idea was, well, what if I just lie to people and say that I'm from, like, a 
publication. <laughs> and so I picked uh, Maximum Rock and Roll. <laughs> Seemed like a nice uh, middle of the road. Nobody's going to follow up on that kind of right, thing. No because like, so like, it. like I said, it was like from Rolling Stone, and here's like right. this Gmail address. Yeah, and you're you're also not going to like a high end show. You're going to yeah, just like small club shows. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. Rolling Stone's not going in there. No, not typically. <laughs> so I um, the next step was I created just this fake alternate email address that wasn't mine. Of um, and this was my uh, my editor, my p- okay. boss essentially. And so I would email um, the venues or the bands saying like, "Hey, I'm so and so." from Maximum Rock and Roll, and we've got a photographer in Chicago that really would like to um, check out this show. Would you be able to help us out? And what was the, fir- the first show that I ever got into in Chicago was a Dillinger 4 show. Nice. And I think I got through that one by just emailing the venue. Okay. And so um, half the time, everybody was like, oh, Maximum Rock and Roll, how's that going? I haven't read that in years. So cool to hear that you're still around. <laughs> And, um, and other times they just would ignore it. Right. But so then I started just going to shows like that and, um, it just was amazing how often this would work (laughs) and just saying like, yeah, so-and-so from maximum rock and roll. Can my photographer come to your shows? Like, great. Yeah. Just send us some pictures when you're done. And so I'd go, I'd bring my camera is just crappy little, um, I can't even remember the brand of the camera. It's like just some like off brand uh-huh. and I just go to the shows and um, take pictures, take them home, take them off the camera, just send them to the uh, people to the that asked for the, yeah. yeah. And like actually the ones that I took for the Dillinger four show, they were on the bottom lounge website for a while, just like on the front page. I was, yeah. I was like, Oh cool. <laughs> and so that just kind of kept growing and growing. So you just kept the lie going and going. And yeah. Going. yeah. Yeah. It just, it never blew up in my face at any point, thankfully. Like, even like when somebody was like, "Oh, well, how's so and so doing?" and I was like, right. "They're great. Thanks for asking." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, this is uh, like I'm just gonna get found out at some point." I don't know if that's more punk rock than just asking the band to just go in or to just like show up and be like, "I I work here. I'm fine." Well, especially like now like um with like fa- more bands are on Facebook than on MySpace cuz this was back when like MySpace was still like oh yeah, like the site to go for music cuz Facebook was still just kind of like mostly college kids and right. like really just terrible like personal pages. Like the interface <laughs> was so bad. But um and then I found like how easy it was to get the information for most bands. Um, they put like their publicists on their page on their right. about pages sort right. of thing. And so that just got a little bit easier and easier. And eventually a friend of mine, um, I, f- I forget what his connection was to all of this, but he knew somebody who, um, ran this website called punktastic. Okay. And they were bait. They're based in the UK. Okay. And, um, he knew, Somebody who actually is one of my best friends now. She's moved to Chicago, but she was the photo editor for Punktastic at the time. And she's like, "Okay, well, we need somebody in the U.S. Like, who do you, who do we know?" And he's like, "Hey, my buddy Matt takes pictures." And so I sent her some pictures, told her my story, and I started taking pictures for an actual publication. Did you tell her that you were just lying to get into shows? Oh yeah, yeah. She loved that That's part of it. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah, then I was like working for Punktastic for a while, and um. That was really nice because they gave me like 
okay well here's an email address for you like oh good now i can like look legit on this now <laughs> like i have like an actual like at this website.com right, right so it's like when you go and check out punktastic it's not just nothing right it was like actual like published works and stuff yeah because you have to tell people why your stuff isn't going in maximum rock and roll right yeah nobody ever really followed up on that i was surprised (laughs) yeah where's all where's all the pictures from that show uh they're they're coming don't worry about it they'll be there my editor didn't like any of them sorry buddy yeah and just even to think like like i never thought anybody would like or i always expecting people like call me out and say like well wait a minute maximum rock and roll they don't cover like big name like right. these bigger bands it's always like these independent stuff but i think that's like the name was just so synonymous with just Whatever. rock yeah that the fact that they were interested in the band they're like oh great that sounds awesome <laughs> that's insane yeah that did, did you feel bad at all for like taking advantage a little bit and yeah originally i felt a little bad about it i still do in retrospect but it was like i wasn't like i'm not st- dealing anything other than like the price of a concert ticket right which i don't know it was just more or less like again like my own selfish motivations which kind of like makes me feel a little bit bad about it It was like (laughs) like well i don't really want to pay for this show or like not as i don't want to it's like i can't afford to pay for all these shows i was going to like two three shows a week yeah and um that was like no way that i could afford that because i didn't have a job when i first moved to chicago Right. But I was just like so excited. I was like, oh my God, this band's playing here. This band's playing here. This band's playing here. And it's like the versus like uh, being in St. Mary's where I have to like drive two and a half hours to yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, the accessibility to DC. just wasn't there beforehand, right? Oh, no. And um, so it was so much easier to just like hop on the train, go downtown, go to the show, and then come back home. And so it was just like, there's just no way I could do it without other like working for it. And so it turned out to like be a really good thing. It's something that I really enjoyed doing just like sitting in the front row, taking pictures and then going home and sitting with them. Yeah. Uh, what happened after Punktastic or. Well, Punktastic, um, that got me for 2012 onward. And, um, I mean, it was great for a while, and then, um, like, towards the end, um, we were actually covering Riot Fest. Okay. And um, it was, like, 2012 was, like, the first... It was the first year that they did Riot Fest outside was 2012, right? I think so. Yeah, and um, so that was the first year that I got to cover it, because they had enough room that, like, basically everybody that wanted to... Or So that was the first year that they had it out outside as an actual festival festival right yeah okay yeah because before it was either like in one venue okay where they had like stages in the lobby and that's it was <laughs> it was ridiculous like you couldn't hear anything right or it's just so distorted which is insane to me because now it's 2018 and i just saw run the jewels for the first time close that yeah. show out and it was just madness because there was so many people there that's only six years and it's grown that much. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, continue. Okay. Continue so, um, so a couple of years of covering Riot Fest. Uh-huh. Um, one year, um, a friend of mine who worked for um, a publication based out in Denver for the love of punk, she and I were just um, watching Morrissey. Okay. Because um, Morrissey didn't allow anyone to take pictures. That makes sense. He was also very particular about when you could be cooking meat. Right. And none of it was allowed during his show. So every like all the meat stands had to close down and he made everybody wait. Oh yeah. Um 
And so we were just sitting there making fun of that whole situation. <laughs> and um, but we were also like just kind of talking about our uh, how discouraged we were with the current our current state of like working for Punktastic. Yeah. Like I wasn't really too pleased with my editors at that point because they were just like cutting stuff that I didn't think needed to be cut or just like not really even giving me any sort of like feedback or sure. just anything really. It was like they were just moving away from like focusing on US and just kind of keeping it all UK. in like yeah uk like i would be surprised if like the one guy who's been holding out in like san francisco like taking pictures for punktastic is still doing it or not hmm. but um he was basically like the last uh bastion of that so uh my friend uh kendra who's the one for uh for love of punk she and i were the one making fun of morrissey and mm-hmm. um just kind of voicing our frustrations it's like oh yeah we could do this ourselves um I was like, yeah, you should. I was like, Kendra, go do go do this. You're great at that sort of thing. And um, a few months later, she's like, well, <laughs> I have an offer for you if you'd be willing to follow me kind of thing. I was like, tell me more. It's like, well, I'm getting some people together, and we're talking about putting together a website. Uh-huh. And um, just the same thing that we'd been doing for, like, Punktastic and for the love of punk, but without any of the restrictions that we've had from our previous editors that were just kind of getting under our skin. Right. And so that's um, after a lot of like planning and discussions was what became a bad copy. Okay. And so for the last couple of years, I've been doing that, working with her and our other like core group of people that have been there from the beginning, just kind of like working to build it up and uh, bring us where we are now. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a lot. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So you started doing photo work just because you wanted to go to shows. Yeah. And use that just to lie yourself in. Exactly. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's so great. That's that's one of my favorite stories now. Because <laughs> you, yeah, because you, you never were into photography really before that, right? I mean, I had an interest in it, but it was never really like bringing my cameras to shows or anything. Because right. I like taken like a uh, like a darkroom course in college. I mm-hmm. took a digital class with the same professor that was like the advanced photography. So that's kind of where I got my um, start in working with photos in Photoshop mm-hmm. was through that. So when you're when you first start out at these shows, do you because it's always weird for me to go to a show and see the the photo guys that are in the thick of things because they they look like they're working so hard. Yeah. Trying to just get that perfect shot or to not get punched in the face. So how was that for you? Oh, it's it's a scene, man. I tell you, I've <laughs> definitely had some like injuries and uh, casualties uh-huh. as a result. Um, um, I was down at Fest in uh, Gainesville. The only time I've ever been down there I was covering it for Punktastic. And I was um, shooting United Nations. Okay. Jeff from Thursday's uh, yeah. side band. Yeah, yeah. And um <clears throat> I got I left that pit with like the gnarliest mark across my head from where somebody I forget if they were stage diving in front of me or behind me, but their boot landed in my face. That's crazy. And that was pretty intense. Yeah, because I I am I'm not prepared to do any of that. I never was. And I look around like I I love hardcore and I love punk, but I am not trying to get punched in the face at all. So I try to go like in the back. And then yeah. just look like that guy that, that really likes this stuff, but he's just angry the entire time, so he's just stiff as a board. So I I always had a lot of respect for all the photographers that are in the fray, going in the in the middle of it, going right into the front of it, 
And some venues have like gates around the stage, right? Yeah. And just like little spots. Yeah, some of the bigger ones, or like depending on like how rowdy they're expecting the show to be, like the smaller ones will set up the barriers too. Okay. But um, yeah, it helped like going to shows like before I moved out uh, to Chicago, I would always be the person that would like show up before doors and wait in line with everybody mm-hmm. else and then go stand in the front of the venue and just like wait for two hours for the show to start so that I could see like the one band that I came to see. So yeah. it was always just kind of used to like being like crushed by like the waves of people that always like when the crowd surges, like that was nothing really new to me. And so then I found um, a lot of the venues Start, like the smaller ones not having um barriers having mm-hmm. to just like okay well just pick up where i left off and uh go stand in front and wait and just like find a good spot in front of the stage especially if it was like a sold out show because they're just right it's so many like, bodies yeah and i was always like not wanting to get like the bodies of like, people's like bodies and heads obscuring the photos right. it's like okay well i want to make sure i can get like every angle yeah so how do you how do you manage that because that I feel like that's a pretty chaotic experience all the way through, right? Yeah. So how do you manage, like, keeping your own safe space for a hot second, right? Mm-hmm. And then also able to get that that right angle. Is it just luck of the shot? A lot of times there's luck, and it's just a matter of being it. It helps if you've seen or if I've seen the band before, too, because I kind of, like, know a little bit more of, like, what to expect from their performance on stage. Like with Anti Flag, I've seen them so many times. I can tell you like almost exactly when like the bassist is gonna do like his trademark like super jump shots. Gotcha. Okay. And I'm just like, yeah, it's just like experience and seeing them enough times, like you kind of know what to expect. All but right. um, like as far as like defending your space, you just kind of have to really just hunch down and just like press back against the stage as best you can because there's a lot of times in a lot of venues where it's like it'll cut you off at the knees yeah and uh so you're sitting there like oh my god my abs are it's like getting this crazy workout trying to stand up while everybody else is just like moshing behind me right because going to a show is a definite workout or a beat-up session <laughs> yep. i went to uh see refused a few years ago at rock and roll hotel in dc <sighs> and it's exactly like what you're describing right so the stage is right up knee level and i was expecting it to be like everybody my age and it's dc so you don't think it's as rowdy as everybody else right right so i was hoping that it's like 30 35 40 year olds and we're all just gonna stand there arms crossed and just watch no it was pure chaos the they entire came time to party they came to party and dennis glickson is, is one of my favorite people mm-hmm. uh there was also this this super old dude, 50, 55 at least, this huge gray mane, huge gray beard, crowd surfing the entire time. I was like, you are my hero. This is amazing. But my friend Selena was up front and just wave after wave, her knees were, were just crushed. done. Yeah, just crushed. So I can't imagine how how bad it is for you having to actually be there and then figure out how a camera works. And then protect the camera from falling all all the way over too, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I keep it in my hand. I don't have it like set up on a tripod or anything. So, and that's like one of the harder <coughs> spot or harder things too is like just dealing with it like shooting from your hand because you're always got like the risk of motion blur mm-hmm. and um, just like real bad lighting is always a concern. It still is a concern. Like as many times as I've upgraded my equipment to the point where I can handle these low light situations that I can't even imagine shooting in like five seven plus years mm-hmm. ago it's still just every time i'd be like oh my god this lightning is terrible 
Because I've seen... So I've seen other photographers around, especially in the D.C. area, where they, they make beautiful shots out of terrible locations. Yeah. And it, it always boggles my mind how that works. But I've also seen those shows, and those shows are very tame. Mm-hmm. There, It's not a lot of chaos. People respect the photographer, respect the space, and they'll move out of the way. They, they've seen that guy in so many shows. They know who he is. They know what his business is about, right? Yeah. I would assume it's a little bit different from for you because we're going to hardcore punk, crazy nonsense that is is so hard to probably be able to balance out your your way of protecting yourself and taking the shot, and then the lighting's probably still terrible too. And believe it or not, most people are pretty respectful when they see that you have a camera, okay. as long as you're not like the because there's a lot of people who will just sit there and like not even like. They won't show up at the beginning of the show. They'll, like, bring their camera and they'll fight their way, like, as the show's going. And then they'll just stand there in front of everybody (laughs) Mm -hmm. to the point where they're like, well, I was here first. And now you just push me out of the way and you're just standing there, like, just basically being an asshole. Right. But for the most part, if, like, you, like, when I would get there early, people would uh, be interested in what I was doing. They'd be willing to give me a lot of room. Or um, oftentimes I get people to say, like, oh, well, you're working here, um, so we'll just, like, try and keep the people off of you. Oh, that's fantastic. And then the other half of the time, I'm, like, camera in one hand, I, like, can feel the crowd behind me. So I'm like, all right, well, back you go kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, like, yeah. fighting them off with one hand and shooting with the other. That's that's nuts. Do you find that it's hard for you to enjoy a show that you really want to go to because you're doing photography work? No, if anything, it really enhances it a lot of times. Okay. Because that's like just really just kind of put myself in that mindset of really just being able to see what the band is trying to put out or put forward and like the show that um, the people are there to see and trying to like just put myself in the place of somebody who just enjoys going to these shows and these experiences, like what I would like to remember it as, how I want to frame everything, like mm-hmm. the moments that I found most impactful to me. And uh, like the ones that like when I go back and look at the pictures and say like okay that's how I remember feeling when I saw this like moment or like this reminds me of like the song playing and this kind of like brings up that feeling nice. attached to that. What do you what do you do with all the, I guess the pocket cameras? So everybody has their own phone, right? They're, yeah, they're all doing that. How do you carve out a name for yourself when there's so much of that still happening? It's really hard to do that in the sense of like one thing I've noticed over like the last 10 years of doing this is that um, with cameras and technology being so much more accessible that there are a lot more individuals out there. And really just like the way you stand out is just like being persistent Mm -hmm. and just continuing to do it and to just like. And not be a person who's just like, all right, well, this was hard work and I'm not getting anything out of it. So I'm just going to give up. And eventually people like. You just like being around, you just start to make those connections. You start to like know the right people in the sense that uh, they're like, okay, well, um, like we like, like um, a buddy of mine who works for Riot Fest at one point, he's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you're not working for anybody right now. So let me know if you ever want to come out and shoot a Riot Fest show for us. Cause they uh, also sponsor individual shows in Chicago yeah. as yeah, well yeah. as like the big festival. So he would just like ask me to come out to the shows and just cause he's known me as somebody who's been a photographer in like the scene for as mm-hmm. long as I've been doing it. And so that's just kind of like how he came to know me. That's fantastic. And then do you think that your, your passion of finding that moment that you felt like that is, do you think that puts your artwork maybe 
separate from you know the the phone the click and shoots right and yeah i would say the biggest difference between like somebody with their phone and somebody like me who uses their camera is like the work that they put into it after the fact because so often like um people just snap something throw a filter on it on instagram Mm -hmm. and that's like their that's their work in post and that's fine because like it's not really a matter of like how you get there it's just what like you what of yourself you're putting into the work mm-hmm. and for me i tend to like especially lately when it's a show it was a smaller show with like poor lighting i find spending more time manipulating the image to make it more um usable mm-hmm. like sometimes i'll see like like it'll be framed well it'll be a nice capture but it'll be just like completely washed out in like blue lighting or red lighting so i have to sit there and find a way to make that blue and manipulate the colors out and just put it into a sense that I can still get like that moment that I was looking for that I felt like I had captured. Excuse me, in a way that I find presentable. That's crazy. So, what what have you what have you seen works for you the the best? Is it is it always trying to get that other piece of technology that kind of helps you, or is it just kind of the experience of kind of knowing where to shoot and when to shoot? And I feel like the experience plays a larger role just because I haven't ever really been able to just go out and buy a new camera or a new lens. It's usually a, every couple of years um, I'll have like, largely it's just like a, a credit card that I've paid off enough <laughs> after my last big expense on it <laughs> or just some line of credit where it's like, okay, well, I want a new camera body because I want to be able to shoot because this one, like the the new technology allows for better operation in low Mm -hmm. lighting. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, well that's where I need to move towards. And, um, and I feel like your experience in working with equipment and getting and pushing yourself and your equipment as far as you feel like you can do with it is more important to be able to recognize, okay, well this is where I need to focus on upgrading or this is like, I need to go back and just learn how to do this part better. Right. Do you think it's for, for someone you've been doing it for what, 10 years, just about, just about 10 years. Yeah. So do you think that it's, it's still really important to learn as much as you can about any of the new technology that's coming through the new Photoshop, the new everything? It's, I mean, it's certainly a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the new things that's coming out that I'm not as familiar with is uh, mirrorless cameras. Okay. Where it's basically they, um, it's the same kind of technology as like the SLRs, where it's but it's just like instead of like the um, the mirror that lifts up and uh, exposes the uh, sensor in the back, it just right. has the sensor and it projects a digital image of what the uh, sensor sees into your eye. And um, I've heard people love it. I just haven't really played around with it. But it's just more of a matter of, like, what works for you. Okay. And, like, what you feel most comfortable with and, like, what you feel is giving you the results that you're looking for. What have you shot that you think means either the most or a significant amount to you? Was it a particular show, maybe a particular feeling that you got from shooting something that you're just like, "This this is the moment, this is the reason why I do this? Probably one of the most impactful shows that I, um, like, thinking about that, that I got to shoot that just blew me away was um, when Refused got back together for the first time. Yeah. And they did, like, um, they were playing, like, Coachella or something. Yeah. And um, they'd only had, like, those, like, couple of shows. Like, they had that show in Coachella, and then they had, um, like, two shows in New York or something. And, uh, like, 
basically, I guess they're like, okay, well, we fly out to California and then we're going to fly back to Sweden, but then we've got like a layover in New York is what, and then we're going to host a show in New York before we go back home. And, um, I didn't, I got tickets to the show and, um, Megan was actually going to school in uh, Ithaca at the time. And so okay. we just kind of made a weekend of it and went to the show, saw Refuse, hung out in New York for the weekend. And then they went back. And of course, then they announced that they were coming back and doing a tour with Off. Yeah. And um, I just, on a whim, emailed the Epitaphs press person saying, because they had their show in Chicago. I was like, oh, well, I'll just see if I can uh, get into this show because, you know, so you can't get it if you don't ask. Right. And the worst they can do is ignore you or just say no. And um, lo and behold, I got the response. was like, yeah, you're approved. One ticket, one photo pass. And I was like, that's insane. Like, that was like my uh, like my big white whale. Because I like, refused. I loved refused as long as I can remember. And it was like heartbreaking that I never got to see them before they broke up. And then finding myself down there in the pit, just staring up at like these people that I like been like, icons for so long like playing all my favorite songs and i was just like i can't believe i'm doing this <laughs> yeah that was exactly like it was for me because i i um so the the show had been sold out for months right because mm-hmm. it was sold out almost immediately and then i checked rock and roll hotel's website for an upcoming show and it was two days before the refuse show and they were like yeah we released a couple tickets go get them i was like uh. are you sure like, can I actually do this? And I still didn't believe it until I finally, like, bought it. And then I still didn't believe it until I was there. And it was it was just so, so insane. That, was, that is definitely one of the, the the bands for me that that I've never been able to see before then. And it was just incredible. And then I saw... Um, so, Dennis Lixon has another band called Invasion In. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Invasion. What, Invision, what, I think they're... Pretty- yeah, whatever it is, right? And then I saw them at DC9, which is this teeny tiny club. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just wonderful, just doing all these kicks and like oh, spinning yeah. moves and just like shit you're that. He's a dancing machine. Yeah. How do you do that at that age after all the time that you've done? And he, like, when I saw him with Refuse and he's wearing like this three piece suit doing all these moves yes! too, and he's just throwing the microphone and catching it and spinning and kicking and everything yeah it, it made me reevaluate my life because i took a picture with him afterwards and i just looked Aww. terrible and he just looks amazing and i'm just like <laughs> i gotta i gotta figure something out and then i still haven't so it's that was yeah that was something that that has stuck with me because he was just so cool to be able to even talk to and it was interesting and i think that you've probably ran into this too is that I always say that people are still people, right? Yeah. So you can still talk to people. It's okay. You don't have to be that afraid of them, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was able to talk to him, he was so grateful for us to come to that show, even though it was it was like it's Dennis Lixon. Like this is yeah. a person that I've I've listened to throughout my childhood and all all the way through my adult life and all the iterations of his bands, and he was so grateful that we were just there. To see this one band that he was in, and I was like, "You, you don't have to be this nice. Like, it's okay." Yeah, he's always struck me as somebody just like as quite humble and just like very glad to have people that are still into the music that he made so long ago and the music that he continues to make. Because Envision came to Riot Fest one year, mm-hmm. and they were fun to shoot just because it was Dennis just 
moving and shaking all over the place and they're i mean they're also a really good band too i think their new record had just come out last year I yep, believe. that's when i saw them yeah and it was it was just it was crazy um it was it was really good music he was just moving around all the way through um do you find because this is a, a good good question for you so the 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 fest that you go to mm-hmm. do you find that it's easier to shoot at a fest and more fun for you to go to there or is it something more magical and meaningful at a a smaller club for you i would say riot fest would be like a better example to talk about just because i've done that more so Uh and um it's really like it's hard to say because it feels like it's a lot of work but it's like the most fun kind of work where like I just like every Riot Fest weekend usually just push myself to cover as many bands and like bounce back across as many stages and like plan everything out. And I don't really get a chance to absorb as much of like the um the performance as I would sure. if I were just like at a smaller venue and I had to sit there and watch the entire show versus like at Riot Fest where I'm just bouncing around and just like absorbing like okay, here's 10 minutes of this band. Here's 10 minutes of this band. Here's 10 minutes of this band. And like, there's obviously like points in the day where I had time to sit down and watch a whole set where I'd like mm-hmm. make, like when Dillinger Escape Plan came a few years ago, I didn't get in there in time to shoot them, but I definitely was able to sit there and just watch the rest of their set because that was like their farewell uh, yeah. performances too. Yeah, I saw them at DC9. Ugh. So I saw them in a teeny tiny club and then I saw them at Baltimore Soundstage the the week after that. Yeah. And it was, it was such a, big difference in performance mm-hmm. because you have that small cramped space in DC nine where they're right on top of you. This is where they started. Like this is what they they still love to do. And then you see the extravagance of a huge show like that, where you just have people crowd surfing, jumping off the stage, going on the stage. You have uh, Greg, the, the singer just yelling at people's faces grabbing them by the back of the head the entire thing it was it was just insane to see kind of how they interact in such a small space and then put on a much bigger show right yeah the one time that i um i should say tried to shoot dillinger was at a venue probably similar to the size of like dc9 (coughs) or like black cat Mm -hmm. on that scale and that crowd was so rowdy and so raucous that i i took myself out because i was like I'm going to get hurt or I'm going to break my camera. Like, I think I only left there with like a couple dozen pictures in the end, maybe. And like a handful of those even came out and were usable, but it was an incredible time. But yeah, like a band like Dillinger is definitely somebody that you can appreciate seeing more like a smaller venue and shooting that is just like, okay, well, how can I capture this chaos, but not succumb to it yeah because yeah. on that same tour where they were um playing riot fest they played a real small venue called cobra lounge okay and um which is a great venue to play in and um i really would have liked to have gotten tickets but they sold out like that mm-hmm. and um even like a buddy of mine who I was working with like his friend snuck him in the back and he said it was just so crowded and so hot and they honestly thought that like the walls were going to come down because everybody was just going so hard in that. That's that's crazy. Um, with oh, don't let me forget this thought. You'll edit this out. This will be fun. Um, <laughs> oh damn! I just had a great question for you. Where did it go? Was it about Dillinger? 
No. Um, oh, yes. Um, not not about Dillinger, but so how do you? Um, we talked a little bit about it as far as you emailing like um, the like a publicist. publicist. Yeah. And so how do you plan your shows out, and how do you plan your way of contacting people, and and how did you start doing that? It was really just a matter of kind of like trial and error as far as like knowing when to uh, reach out. But usually I'll like um, just go and look through um, like an app like Bands in Town is usually my best resource for that. Uh, Just see like, okay, who's coming? And I'm just trying to like catch it as like early as I can and just put Mm -hmm. it in my calendar. And then so usually um, the magic number is about two weeks before the show. Because I've also emailed, like, found, like, I've tried, like, email, like, two months before, and they're saying, okay, well, email me again closer to the date, and I'll have more details for you. And a lot of it is also just, like, I have, like, really good relationships with a lot of the people that I uh, get shows, or that grant me permission for shows, like the uh, the woman that's uh, with Epitaph, she has been getting me into shows for over six years now. And she's just one of the nicest people ever, and I can usually count on emailing her awesome. to like get coverage for almost any Epitaph band that comes through Chicago. And um, she's always very appreciative of my work. She's always complimentary of it, and um, she's just a very nice person. And so we've had like a really great relationship. So that's helpful. And generally, like I found, just the best way to do it is just having a good like the timing being right. Like I said, like about two ish weeks out or so. Mm-hmm depending on um, if I can remember to or not. But it's always a matter of like, okay, looking ahead of my calendar, like when I have some extra time, just saying, okay, do I need to email anybody about any shows yeah. coming up? And just being like polite is the, like just being courteous and uh, straightforward because these people are getting emails from in requests all the time now because there's just right. like a million publications and they all want the same thing. And so if you can just be like, hey, I want to shoot um, this band at this venue at this time. I need uh, one photo, one ticket, and just keep it short and sweet, but also being like really appreciative because they don't have to do any of this for you. Right. Because they always have, it's a limited number of like slots they have that they can give, um, give away these tickets for. And so I've found in my experience is just like being those like several things has just like been really helpful to stand out and just like, don't act like all entitled about everything and saying like, well, I'm this website Mm -hmm. and we deserve these amounts of tickets and we need this coverage kind of thing. It's just like, Hey, if you can help me out, that'd be really appreciate. I'd be really appreciative. Or if you know who can, because oftentimes the contact that's on Facebook, isn't the person that's necessarily handling it anymore. Right. So if you just say like, Hey, I need this. um, Can you help me out or let me know who can. Like, it's almost like a template at this point, It's which sounds kind of like almost like rude and shorts, right. but it's just kind of like what it's what I've come to learn is works best. I'm just saying okay. like, OK, hey, how are you? Um, just be nice. Yeah. Just be a person. Yeah, it really yeah. it's just all it comes down to is you're just being nice about it. Yeah. Does that does that like satisfy you a little bit that a record label that you've probably l- like lived on for years feels pretty good about you now it's fun like i don't know how many other people like in the epitaph chain of command are aware of it right but it's just kind of like a fun little thing having uh this relationship with the label that like you said it's just been like my bread and butter as long as i've been listening because it's like punkarama and every label like 
Pennywise, Bad Religion. And then all the Burning Heart stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's all stuff that we all grew up on. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that that makes me feel better for you that you have that relationship, too, that, you know, is someone that you can actually count on. Because I still feel like, especially for me, there's there's still always that gap in between people that we look up to and the people that they actually are and, right. and the, the fact that you can still talk to people. There's, there's always kind of that, that, that weirdness in there. Right. So if you again, think that people are just people and, and just do what you're doing, which is be honest, be happy, like be appreciative of the fact that they're helping you out. Who knows what could happen? Yeah. It's just, it's funny to see like how far that's been able to take me is in the, the whole like concert photography thing. Especially like being like down in the pit too, because there's a lot of people who are just like really just smug about like what they do, and they're like, "Oh no, I'm here, the official <laughs> photographer for such and such," and that doesn't happen very often. And those people uh-huh. that do generally don't come around as often. And because for the most part, like a lot of concert photographers nowadays are just people who do this because they love the band, they love the music, they love their art, and just being able to share that with others. Yeah, how do you um for for you you've been able to carve out a living with this too, right? No, not no. Okay. No, this is something that this is a passion of mine that I do That's... just because like I just enjoy it and I don't really have the uh, expendable income to buy concert tickets. Right. So it's so, still kind of on that level. Perfect. Cuz that's what I thought. Yeah. So with with that and your the the idea of bad copy and and trying to when there's so many digital publications trying to try and make a name for yourself and and put out good work that you're proud of, right? Yeah. How do you balance that stuff out and keep your motor going and keep your energy level going? Because it's exhausting. It's incredibly exhausting. and Compared with the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like now is like a like pretty much a good point to like talk about it because like there have definitely been like peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a matter of just trying to like find like reinvigorating yourself on like finding like what really kind of got you into this in the first place and like why you still continue to do it. Because like when you said, like in this sea of everybody's doing it, it's really hard to stand out. And and honestly, I don't really know like the best way to do it. And I think bad copy has been good for that just because it is a little bit different in the sense that it's like a new publication. It's a new experiment of just like taking what we've learned of like being nice and working hard and putting that in a, like our own little spin on that with all our own different attitudes and sense of humor and everything that comes with that. And that's been really nice to be to have like that liberation sense of like, nobody saying like, okay, well you can't write this about that. Or you can't say this about this band kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you go out, take the pictures you want, write the words you want. And as long as you're not being just a terrible human being, you're free to do that. And so that's been really nice. How do you, um, have you been able to maybe translate any of the, the stuff that you've learned with photo wise and the relationships that you've built with bad copy into any of your, your other career or your other family or friends? I can't say if I can think of anything specifically from that. I think it's just like a big, like, amalgamation of just like everything that i've learned from just all my experiences or just i try and like spread that out as equally as i can as far as like okay well here's like dealing with like a publicist and trying to like track somebody down and really just kind of get an answer out of them 
can sometimes just be quite uh, frustrating. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. And they're like, oh, hey, haven't heard back from you. Two days later. Still haven't heard back from you. Just want to check in. Hey, show's in two days. What do you have to say about that? And um, so it's just a matter of, like, just kind of taking that lesson of persistence and applying that to any other aspect where you just know that even if they don't let you in, it's not the end of the world because there's always going to be another show or generally that band's going to come back soon or if they don't they'll break up and then 10 years you can have the experience to go photograph their reunion show because that's what that's what people do now that's fantastic uh is there is there a venue or a band that you really want to shoot that you have not been able to yet it's hard to i can't exactly say what my last white whale is okay because most of the bands that are like, growing up that I've always really wanted to see, like the first time I ever shot Bad Religion, that was a life changer. Refuse was a big one. AFI was really fun to do. Um, was that before all their their nonsense records? No, this was uh, a couple yeah. of years. This was actually February of last year was the first time I got to shoot them in a venue. Okay. And there's still a lot of fun live, even like with their newer records that I'm not as big of a fan on. They really still put on a great show regardless. But um, most of the venues in Chicago I've shot, I don't think there's any like I haven't I, mean, I haven't done anything at like Wrigley Field or mm-hmm. um, Soldier Field. But the only thing like there's not really many shows that come to like Wrigley that I would have wanted to shoot like Green Day. If they come that sometimes they'll play at like uh, Wrigley. Or like um, Rise Against, they played at Wrigley last. But I've shot them a good handful of times, too. And I think that would be really fun just to shoot at something like that big. Mm-hmm. I don't really have the equipment for it, so it'd be interesting to see how I could adapt to it. But it's like, the bigger the venue gets, the more restrictions there are on what you can do. Like where you can stand, um, like how many songs you get, and okay. whether or not you're even allowed to stay for the rest of the show. Really? Yeah. Which is kind of frustrating. Yeah, so you have a time limit with some of that stuff to where you can only take a handful of shots for like 15, 20 minutes and then get out? Yeah, um, most bands, like the rule is the first three songs, no flash. Okay. And a lot of times it's the band setting their own rules for that. The venues are usually the ones who also have to deal with that too. And for a show like uh, recently thinking of like Every Time I Die, mm-hmm. um and uh the venue is like a pretty good like mid-sized venue uh called the metro mm-hmm. and i'm a huge fan of the metro it's one of my favorite venues like the location's terrible but i love the <laughs> venue and it, it's the only reason it's terrible is just because like where i live is just like right. not great access like to trains and buses that get me up there as quickly as other venues so you're just blaming your predicament not yes. their location no okay. it's entirely <laughs> it's entirely on me but they need to start catering to me more. <laughs> right <laughs> But like with every time I die, the crowd was just so intense mm-hmm. that the um, security, like they're usually ch- like keeping track of the songs in their heads, and they're not always doing a great job of it because they don't always know the bands, so they don't mm-hmm. know like when one song ends and when one begins. But really, what it comes down to for the security is like if they they get the final say, if the crowd is too crazy and like they don't want to be dealing with like seven other people that are facing the opposite direction while they're trying to do their job, keeping people safe. So right. they'll, they'll kick you out of the pit. 
Wow, that is interesting. Okay, and that's that's quite frustrating at times, especially when you're like in the middle of a song, you're like make or like composing shots and everything, and you're just like, oh nope, time's up. Huh. And like before, Riot Fest had um, people that would manage the photo pits. It was just a, a chaotic free for all. Like uh, when Blink One Eighty Two played a couple of years ago, I think every single photographer that was there that weekend was in the pit. And uh, I wish I had the picture on hand to show you because it was just absolutely crowded. Like there had to have been at least a hundred photographers all jammed in there, shoulder to shoulder, like just four waves of it. And we just, you couldn't move. So I definitely pushed my way to a spot as close to the stage as I could get. But we had a very limited amount of time because security was just like seeing how the crowd was reacting to Blink-182 yeah. and uh, and how much it was preventing them from doing their job. So they just shuffled us out pretty quick when they realized that they couldn't even move amongst the photographers. That's crazy. Huh. I I never would have thought about that stuff. So, hmm. Okay. So do you have... um When you're... So when you're doing Riot Fest now, they have their own little pit for the media? Yes. Okay. Is that is that just another fence or how do, how does that work? It's the same um area that like when you're crowd surfing and you go over and okay. they carry okay. and they pick you up and they tell you to just run back to the side. It's the okay. same area. Okay. So you're sharing it with security. Okay. But um these days they've gotten a lot better about it cuz like people I think a lot of people had been emailing saying like, "Hey, um this is pretty crazy to try and work in these conditions. I don't know what you have in mind or what you can do about that, but just letting you know that it's really difficult. So they brought in like a um, person to manage the photo pit and like how crowded it is, um, like what you can and can't do. Like they have people monitor like that you have like actual professional equipment and that you're not right. just like somebody there with your phone to take pictures. Cause that's just a big no, no. So it's not just someone that goes to you spy and <laughs> right. Yeah, keeping keeping the riffraff out. <laughs> that is interesting. I never I never would have thought about that going to a show. Um and I, I do you find that the crowds like look at you different when you're at a, like a festival It'd be like I want to be that close. Why are you that close? From time to time you do get a lot of people that are like, "Hey man, how did you get up there?" Right. "Hey man, can I just like buy a camera and do that?" I'm like, <laughs> "Well, no, unfortunately, with Riot Fest you have to be working for an outlet that has okay. like some credibility." Yeah. That that's just crazy. Okay. So I like I like the fact that 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 is there because I think photography is just as important as the the publication to get the the pictures out because everybody that's how a lot of people look at it and, and right. digest it and and take it back because not everybody's able to live in that moment right so it's a very important job and it makes me happy so i went to riot fest the first time that this is my actual like first festival that i went to so it was a good one to go to i think but i never i don't think i ever would have thought to take care of the cameraman that well yeah because I I always just think that it's just like all the other venues that I go to. They're just little pissants running around getting little shots and, and trying to make it in their, their own little world. Right. And with with everybody else. But I think that's a, a much safer idea because you have to be 
up there to just try and get everything right Right, because you're doing you're working essentially yeah if your job is there to capture the essence of the show for the people that have you there on assignment to make their livelihood right so it's like important to be able to make sure that you're having good working conditions that you can do the best work you can Hmm. okay that's that's fantastic um what is what is one thing is there is there a band or is there a venue or maybe just a situation that you you really will avoid the most to to not go to take a photo to to not maybe risk yourself in there? Do you look mm-hmm. at maybe the shows that are coming up and be like that's probably not a good one for me? That's hard to say cuz a lot of like what I look for is what I like. Mhm. Um I know, like, nowadays, I kind of lament the idea of going to a venue that doesn't have the barriers up, and especially if it's going to be, like, a really heavier show, just because I just am getting to the point where I'm like, I'm really tired of getting (laughs) crushed by everybody and just being sore afterwards. Like, uh, probably the most recent example I can give uh, would be the daughters when they came through. Yeah. And, like, I was just keeping my fingers crossed so hard that the venue was going to have a uh, barrier that I could go in and just get my shots and go and just, like, enjoy the show from the back. But, nope. I got there, and I just had to put on, put on pull up my socks and just uh, go stand by the front and get a good spot and just hope that I could do the best I could. And it, it definitely got to the point where it was so rowdy that I was like, okay, I've got enough shots. I'm pulling out. Right. I'm going to go over to the side. So, okay. yeah, I've gotten less willing to put up with uh, what comes with just like showing up with your camera and what it takes to get the good shots in event, like in specific venues. But I'm always still willing to like make that sacrifice, like if it needs to be done. Cool. But like as far as bands go, it's just like if it's a band that I don't like or I just can think of a reason to not invest myself into their performance, I'll usually avoid that. Great. So you're not. I think the nice thing for you is that you're able to pick your shots. You're you're able right. to kind of pick what you want to do, right? And that's what, yeah, with the nice freedoms that bad copy allows, or because at Kendra, she's just like, yeah, you go out there, you find what you want, go take the pictures and uh, bring them back and put them on the website. And if I have an issue with the band, I'll let you know. But um, otherwise, have at it. Do you think there's a a time where you'll be shooting? people that you don't really care for just to maybe make more of a living or is this something that you think is going to still be a yeah, I mean, project for you your principles and politics can only get you so far and if uh, an opportunity comes along that's just like you can't turn down it really just depends on like like on where you stand on an mm-hmm. issue but like as far as like if it's just like somebody that i just don't like because i don't agree with them on something i'm not really going to turn that offer down like I've taken uh, jobs doing, uh, I don't know if they have these around here where it's like emo versus pop punk night. Yeah. Okay. I, I have an idea of what that is. Yeah. yeah it's just like a DJ set where uh, or it's the one that I, the one that I was doing is like these two guys, they seem to just like tour around the country. They ask um, bands that are performing in cities if they would come and like spin some songs. Okay. And now I'd never been to one of these before. But um, I was like, oh, this, this is going to be a harmless little show. Just like uh, 
everybody comes and sings My Chemical Romance and Some 41 and Blink-182 songs <laughs> together, which is essentially all it was. But these guys were just so obnoxious would be the best way to put it. And like, as the night went on, it became more and more clear that these guys were just going around doing this to try and get laid. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, because, yeah, they were just like way more into it than I feel like anybody should be as far as like (laughs) getting a room full of people together to listen to old Sum 41 songs. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's great. That's fun. I not dissing that, but it's like your motivations are weird. But yeah, I I took their money. I worked for them (laughs) for the night and I um, gave it my all. Uh, and I had fun doing that, but it's like looking back, it's like that's not the kind of work that I would seek out. But if the opportunity came along again, I would not say no. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, what do you think keeps you going the most throughout these shows? Is it is it something that is is just the love of the music, or I mean, there's got to be a time that you're just tired, right? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's definitely like um like i definitely some days am really thankful for um like double cut co- like dual coverage like where i have somebody that will write and i'll take the pictures because unless i'm like really committed to seeing the band's entire performance i would prefer to just like duck out right okay um and if but it's like if it's something that i'm writing about i will je- i will stay for the whole thing and watch the whole show and absorb as much as i can but if i'm just taking the pictures and if it's a band that i've seen a million times and i know what i'm in for and i don't particularly want to be out any later Mm -hmm. because i really what i like to do is like to go home dump my pictures and just see them the night the like the day of depending on like what time it is and like timing's a big thing too like my favorite shows nowadays three bands on the bill done by 10 (laughs) 30 So I can be home by 11 usually. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny because that's the, I feel like that's me too. Uh, I saw Daughters at uh, in Baltimore um, and they, they thankfully they were done at like 11. 11, 11.30 I think at the, at the latest, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is perfect. I get home at like 1. Oh man, I'll be able to sleep for a whole nine hours. Yeah. This is wonderful. Because it used to not be that way. It used to be the last band goes on at 11 or 1130 and you're just like, this sucks so much. I don't even want to be around here anymore. But yeah, so three bands and it's, I think it's hilarious because when you just, when you look at how, how many shows that you've, you've gone growing up, right. That you were invincible. You were there for, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, get off work, drive up to DC see the show, drive home, go to bed at like two o'clock in the morning, get up and go to work, go up there and do it again. Like the next day, I just think, well, just thinking about um, when Rancid came here in like 2006 and they played three nights at a uh, black cat. Mm-hmm. And I just, I had tickets to all three nights and I, I was burned out after the first show. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. I can't like work eight hours, drive to DC. Like, and then see the show and come back and right. then wake up and do it again. So I skipped the second night and went, but then I went back the third night. But yeah, it's like that dedication is, uh, it fades a little bit as you get older too. Cause you kind of start to, or at least I start to realize like, what's more important to me and my priorities, like seeing the whole show mm-hmm. or getting some good sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And as it, long as like my work's not suffering for that. 
what have you found as a, a writer for you? Because you're you're writing show reviews, or you're writing just the the summary of the show. I do show reviews and um, um, record reviews for the site sometimes right. too. Okay, that's what I thought. So are you are you finding your own voice with that? Are you able to? go to it objectively and break down a show and break down a record now? I find it a lot easier to be objective the less I know about the band. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the more I know about the band, the more expectations I have, especially, like, if I've seen them before and thinking, okay, well, I really hope they play this song. I really hope to hear uh, from this record kind of thing. Versus, like, if I don't really know their entire library, I can say, okay, well... The crowd was reacting this way or like I can be a lot more observant as to like what was going on versus like what my own personal take on it was. Because it's like if I don't know the band, I'm just interested in like, OK, well, I could see myself like really getting into this if I had spent like X number of years or time with the record more so than if I uh, just listened mm -hmm. to it that week kind of thing. And so I can like gauge based on other people's reactions, like say, OK, well, this is a good thing that's happening. So I can say, like, okay, well, the band was able to get the crowd moving in this sense versus, well, I just sat there with my arms crossed waiting for this shit, for this song to be done kind of thing. Right. Yeah. When you, when you review the show, what exactly are you looking for? Are you looking for audience interaction? Are you looking for the whole, basically the, the whole feel of the show? Are you trying to figure out if... If they just stand there and play, is that just them or yeah, or what? It, what is it? I think it, a lot of that comes down to like with experience too, like mm -hmm. and like I'm really kind of like the the last like the be all end all of like what my opinion on the show was to like how I feel about it. But if like if I if it's a band like that has like songs that I don't like, but the crowd is really into, I'll throw in something like, well, I don't like this song, but the crowd was really into it and they were getting really um, riled up for it and they mm -hmm. were clearly having a good time. And so I was like basically just putting myself in somebody else's shoes and that I'm not the only one seeing this show. So I can't just sit here and say, well, I didn't have fun. So nobody else was having fun <laughs> and it was a terrible performance. Yeah. Just... Cause I have to do that a lot too, where, so I used to book shows, right? Right. So I go to every show thinking of how I would present stuff and what I would be doing as far as the back of house stuff. Right. Right. And then I'm looking and I'm basically judging every band cause that's who I am. Mm -hmm. So whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What people do. Right. But what I'm, what I've found even, even more so now that I appreciate the fact that they can still get the crowd involved, even yeah. if I hate what is happening in front of me. Exactly. And that it's a skill. Like I, I never knew that that was that was something that could really be implemented that that easily in my head either. That I can be able to see the whole thing in there. Right, because oftentimes you have to think like people don't just want to hear you whine about how much fun you're not having, versus like oh well I really wanted to like read about like what was happening at the show. Right, kind of thing. Like when um recently went to go see Leftover Crack. For the okay. first time in many years. And the um like one of the opening bands I'd never heard of, uh, Negative Approach, but there's like an eighties hardcore yeah, band. Yeah. Been around and, for a while. Yeah, and I guess like they went away and they came back and there's these clearly had some years behind them. <laughs> but um I was like, Well, I don't know I can't tell like when one song is starting and when one song ends or like which ones are different than the other <coughs> ones. 
but I can look and I can see everybody is just having a wonderful time here. They're getting really into it and say, like, okay, well, just because I don't like this doesn't mean that it's a bad show right now. So that's where I start to come in and try and be a little bit more objective and just describe what's happening and be very, uh, like descriptive with uh, mm-hmm. like any sort of metaphors and just kind of making sure that everybody can see that it's not just me pouting in the back <laughs> just waiting for this to be over. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I definitely find myself in the same, in the same boat because it's, it happens so often where I, if I'm into the show, it's, it's amazing and I can still like look at it and be like, I'm, you guys have my full attention and it's yeah. great. Right. And it, it's, it's rare. I think for that to happen consistently, mm-hmm. some bands definitely lose me. And then I just make fun of them in my head the entire time. And I do that a lot. Um, but it's, it was always interesting to me to, to be able to try and, and take the full view of it. And I, I do the same thing with records too, where, yeah. where you try to, to go through the whole, the whole thing and figure out what's what's really hitting what's what's connected right and then what their their overall kind of like mindset was for it i feel like um do you find that your your objectivity and just that feel that you get for the live shows does that transfer over at all for you writing record reviews too in a sense yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there when you said like how well it holds your attention Mm -hmm. and um Cause I'm always willing to give everything that I go to see or hear for the first time or the millionth time a chance to grab my attention, to make me want to continue to feel engaged with it. And if it doesn't, then it's really hard for me to write about it sometimes. Cause then I have to like start pulling it on different aspects. Cause music is so much about how it makes you feel. And like, while an album can be technically perfect, if you can't find a way to engage with it, it's really hard to be positive about it. It's like, well, like, yeah, the solos and the drum working were super tight, but the lyrics were so stupid and like (laughs) that. It's like, I just found myself turning it off or skipping it. And it's like really hard to find a way to express that other than this band is dumb. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Cause that's like the easiest way you say like, well, this is stupid. I hate this. Cause it's like, nobody knows exactly like what's in your head, like why you don't like it, why you hate it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you have to like be able to pull yourself and like you say, like observe the things that they're trying to accomplish comparing it to like previous works and seeing like, especially if it's a band that has like seven records that you love. And this is the first time you found yourself scratching your head. So exploring that, like, well, what's missing, what's different, why, can't I engage with this on the same level that I did on the last record or the previous ones? Cause then it's also like so much about like, well, this band was really important to me 10 years ago, but I'm in a completely different part of my life than I was 10 years ago. So if they're not growing and evolving to suit like the, um, not to suit my needs, mm-hmm. but like if like the band's growing in a different direction than I am, or they're just even worse, like staying completely stagnant and making the same things that, they were saying the same things that they were Mm -hmm. saying 10 years ago that I'm like, well, I don't agree with that as much anymore, or that doesn't really resonate with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of like, you have to like explore just various aspects of it. That makes sense. Do you, um, do you find that any of your writing has positively impacted any of your personal relationships? 
So kind of kind of that same idea where you have to come at it as a, a different way. You have to think about it as a different way. How can I express the way that it made me feel, the way that I look at it? And am I able to talk about that to other people too? Because I feel like that that might come out and you just may not even realize it. Yeah, I think like a big part of it is just being really aware of like what you're thinking and what you're saying kind of is really helpful in that sense. Mm -hmm. And like being able to look at it from another perspective, just really just like realizing that your singular perspective at that moment in time is not the be all end all of how you always think. It's not how others are thinking. And so just like that awareness of like your thought process kind of helps you to slow it down and just allow a little bit more openness for others. Um, Like what they're thinking like, Mm -hmm. and to be able to just kind of, not just say okay well this album sucks so clearly everybody who listens to it is terrible kind of thing right right yeah all right cool that that makes that makes me feel a little bit better because that that's that is one thing that i i've kind of noticed is that just as long as you kind of keep your your open mind you'll be able to get the whole picture yeah, so you can um, still have your own opinions. You just have to be aware. It's usually that... right. Like, my opinion is usually right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you disagree? Well. <laughs> I'm right. You're wrong. I'm just going to go over here. Okay, how's that feel? Being <laughs> wrong all the time kind of thing. Um, do you find yourself pursuing new music more or less than what you've done before? Definitely more so now. And just because realizing it's like how ridiculous like that closed mind perspective is and how Uh much you miss out just by focusing on one thing and just making sure that everything in your viewpoint fits or everything in the world fits your singular viewpoint. And uh, like I just like the biggest example is like pop music. I I don't get into it as much, but I definitely learned to appreciate certain things that I found that resonate more with me. Like uh, Kesha is always like... (laughs) my go-to example for that because she actually was the one that uh revived or saved kesha for me because i was definitely the person that when she first came out was like oh just another auto-tune pop singer who doesn't really have anything of value to offer but then um it was actually because you she was a my wife she's a fan um before i was and so we would listen to it and she's like oh i think you would like this if you just give it another chance and so like going back and allowing myself that opportunity to say okay I'm not going to just decide that I hate this so much right away and I'm going to listen to it and kind of appreciate it a little bit more. And that allowed me to like really discover something that I really liked a lot that resonated with me. Cool. What do you think is your biggest goal for your photography and your writing? That's a loaded question. (laughs) I would always say like my biggest goal when I'm going into like shooting a show is to just, capture that essence of that particular show what it means to me and like because there's really no other way to put it Mm -hmm. because i'm the only one who's looking through that camera who's taking in the uh, elements of the show and so but my goal is to hopefully have a perspective that resonates with others that when they see the pictures that i take when they read the words that i write they're like oh yeah that's right that was happening i do remember that that is pretty close to how i felt or it's like hey i remember like when he did like that cool jump or he was like making that fun pose and it really just kind of um embodied the spirit of Mm -hmm. the show so i don't know exactly like what my overall like extended goal is like to uh beyond that because like it's it's always nice when like the artists 
um, can see and respond to my work, but that doesn't always happen because there are so many people out there who are out doing what I'm doing. Right. And even just like at any particular show, I can usually identify four or five other uh, people with cameras out there, either doing it for their own personal blogs or just for another publication. And so just everybody's out there just saying like, hey, pay attention to me. Look at me. Look at me. And while that, like I said, that would be really nice, it's not always the most important part. It's just like being able to enjoy the work that I do and to continue finding something that allows me to express myself. And just, like I said, just my enjoyment really is like the biggest part of it, too. Cool. 